Salt Lake City, Utah. This is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face. I'm Sean McCraney, your host. If you have family or friends who can't watch Heart of the Matter on television in some way, shape, or form, have them go to www.hotm.tv, and they can watch the show live through streaming video from anywhere in the world. We want to welcome tonight our DISH viewers on Channel 20. Uh, We picked up Dish tonight, beginning tonight, and if you've never tuned into Heart of the Matter through Dish or never seen the show before, we welcome you. Glad to have you here. I was a born-again Mormon. The book that started it all is available through many fine bookstores in the area, including utlm.org or in the bookstore itself, Oasis Books in Logan, Christian Gift and Bible in Sandy, New Life Books in Layton, Sam Weller's Downtown, Salt Lake City, Calvary Chapel, and other Calvary Chapel bookstores. Dolly's Books in Park City, Gift of Grace Bible in Springville, Lifeway Books in Murray, and of course at bornagainmormon.com. And on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings, we're meeting and studying the Word of God. Come and join us. It's a verse-by-verse Bible study. We're in the book of John right now. You can go to calvarycampus.com for more information on locations and on times. Some good friends of mine, oh, I hope I brought this. Yes. Some good friends of mine from South Africa, Tom, Holly, and Eric, who are now living in the area, were shopping in a local grocery store and came upon this greeting card. Uh, I forgot to tell our producer that I was doing this, but this greeting card, it's a picture of Joseph Smith, and it says on the outside, praise to the man. Now, on the inside, what's interesting about the card is there's one line and it says, proclaim his gospel boldly, for it is true. So you've got a picture, Joseph Smith, that says praise to the man. You open it up and it says, proclaim his gospel boldly, for it is true. Uh, While the message and the painting uh, make me quite ill, it truly reflects the LDS sentiments about their founder. And they want to be known as Christians. Christians, and they sell greeting cards like this in the state to people who are LDS. You would never hear a true Christian say that they should ever give praise to a man, and you would never ever hear a Christian advising you to share any other gospel other than the one found in the Bible. So thanks so much, Tom and Holly and Eric. Last week I was in Logan and a sister named Valerie came up to me and began to tell me about a television show that ran on Fox about a, Mus- a young Muslim man who came out of Islam and uh, became a Christian. While she was speaking, my cell phone rang and it was our uh, station manager's wife telling me about the same person. And when I walked into Utah State to teach, our most faithful viewer, Lucy from Logan, began to share the same story. At this point, point, I figured we better talk about this. Lucy recorded the program, allowed me to have it. What is really interesting are the parallels between the young man's exodus from uh, Islam and the exodus that Latter-day Saints take from the same. 
Uh, we're getting permission from Fox to air segments of the show. We should have those next week. Look forward to showing you this. And hopefully we can get this person, he lives in Southern California, to come and be a guest upon our show. If you saw that on Fox, look forward to us covering that next week and maybe further on down the line. Finally, most of you know I was active LDS for over 40 years. As an adult, much, much of my time was spent with the youth both as an early morning seminary teacher, a member of a bishopric, and on the stake high council. This week I received an email that has blessed my heart, and uh, I'd like to share it with you. It says, Sean, first, so you aren't left wondering, the name you see in the from field of this email is no coincidence. I'm the same blank. I'll call him Bill, Billy, uh, that you knew from the Huntington Beach First Ward. That's the ward that I both grew up in and then resided in as an adult. I've been adrift in my beliefs for probably the last seven years or so. It was a rough time for my family. I'd been out of work for about six months and had just uprooted my family from Huntington Beach to chase a job opportunity in another town. My testimony of the church had begun to dwindle, so I decided to take the Mormon Pepsi challenge, as I like to refer to it, the challenge to read the Book of Mormon and pray about its truthfulness. I've read many stories in church about people who have done this and received an answer that the book was true, so I figured doing this would affirm my belief or help re and help restore my testimony. So I did it. I read the Book of Mormon and I prayed. My answer came in the form of cold silence. I began to fall away. I'm ashamed to admit that I continued to play along for the benefit of my family. I didn't know how to approach this with my wife and was then who was then and continues to this day to be a faithful member of the church. As time went on, however, it came harder and harder to live with a lie, and my participation dwindled to the point where I no longer attended. My relationship with my wife suffered as a result. In 2006, I moved my family out to another town. Shortly after we moved out here, I finally found the courage to share my thoughts and feelings with my wife. She was disappointed, but surprisingly supportive. I think she was more disappointed that I hadn't shared my feelings with her sooner than any, anything else. While my relationship with my wife was, has improved since then, there was still one big problem. In all of this, my relationship with Jesus Christ has suffered greatly. Since I had been raised Mormon, that was all I knew. It's almost as though I'd forgotten how to believe in Jesus. I've essentially had to start over. That's more or less where I am today. Fast forward to about two weeks ago. My great-grandma passed away, and my family was in Huntington Beach for the funeral. I had the opportunity to talk with my mother for a few hours the night before the funeral, during which time I confided in her. I've shared uh, everything I've shared with you in this email. My mother, who is now a born-again Christian, told me about a website that I absolutely needed to visit. The website, she told me, was bornagainmormon.com. Surprised? You bet I was. Which brings me to today. In just a few short weeks, my spiritual life has direction again. I have watched many of the past Heart of the Matter episodes. I had to delete most of my MP3s off my iPod Touch to make room for them, by the way. I have renewed interest in the Bible, which I have begun to read most regularly for the first time in nearly a decade. Most importantly, I have a renewed relationship with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm a long ways from being born again, I reckon, but I'm pointing in the right direction now. It's a funny thing how life turns out. You were a great inspiration to me in the church, and now you're a great inspiration to me out of the church. Thanks for doing the work. I love that email. I cherish it. And thank you so much, Billy, for sharing it with us. With that, let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we need you and we love you. We pray that you will uh, help this program reach into the hearts of people who are searching for truth. We pray for our audience both here and our viewing audience, wherever they may be, and help me to say the things you want me to say in Jesus' name. Amen. By 1844, the seeds of Mormonism had fully ripened in the heart and mind of Joseph Smith. For the most part, his visions and dreams had been put down on paper, his desires were openly and secretly put into practice, and now Mormonism was ready to be stone, sown in the hearts uh, of people by the stable hands of other men. Like all visionaries and shamans, Joseph Smith had run his course 
and in my opinion was beginning to kind of unravel at the seams and a more pragmatic, less freewheeling man began to sweep the dust stuff left by Joseph Smith and his charismatic ways. Where Joseph proved, uh, excuse me, where Joseph provided the doctrinal foundation for all things Mormon, Brigham Young gave this doctrine legs. In a sense, Mormonism to this very day is little else but a compilation of what these two men did and said. Very little, with the exception of some 20 and 21st century public relations spin, originates from any other source than Joseph Smith and Brigham Young. Doctrinally, Mormonism remains Joseph Smith's baby. Culturally, it primarily smacks of all things Brigham Young. Mormonism up to this day and age has been chiefly focused on a singular theme, all things consider, power and control. Everything Mormonism does today somehow contributes to the retention or growth of these two ugly sisters. The quest for power is manifested in a thousand different ways. It is at the heart of their being overly concerned with their image. It is the motive behind amassing great amounts of wealth. It is the driver behind constant and consistent growth, behind their statistical information, behind the numbers game that they cause everybody at the ward and stake levels to play every day of every week of every month of every year. And it's facilitate, facilitated by a top-down ecclesiastical line of authority similar to a military exercise. Like it or agree with it or not, the quest for power was the ultimate motive for Joseph Smith, Brigham Young, and it lies at the very heart of the institution called Mormonism today. Now, to the common men and women like you and, a, you and me, everyday folk, the fact that Mormonism is overtly and subvertly concerned with gaining and retaining power is for the most part a non-event. We spend most of our time uh, just trying to make ends meet, putting food on the table, fuel in the car, keeping a roof over our heads, and we really don't have the time or inclination to care about what drives the institution, so long as the institution is working for us and to our benefit. This is understandable, but a regrettable fact in modern religious life. I received an email from a man named Alex, a PhD, who told me he has an LDS colleague who says, quote, even if Mormonism is untrue, the benefits are so good I would never leave it, end quote. Someone very close to me used to say this same thing. Alex asked me if I would ever belong to something that was false if it proved otherwise beneficial to me and my family. I replied with an emphatic no, at least not intentionally. Peace if possible, but truth always. We are selling our souls pure and simple. If we know something to be false, if we know there's something wrong, but because we're benefiting by it personally, we stay in and support it. When we embrace something that is non-true, uh, that is untrue to benefit ourselves, it's one of the ultimate forms of selfishness and not a form of the Christian ethic, selflessness. This is why we discuss church history on this program, and this is why we're going to spend 2009 continuing on from the death of Joseph Smith to the present day. This is why we examine the historical foundations. Well, you might say, every major religion has an ugly history. Everyone has skeletons and things they are not, uh, and things of which they are ashamed. To this, I would wholeheartedly agree. And then, with this, I would ask, so what does that tell you about organized religion? What does that tell you about placing your faith and your salvation in something that, that claims that you have to have it in order to be saved? Wouldn't this suggest that an individual's spiritual solutions do not lie in an institutional uh, religion, but in direct relationships with God? Doesn't religious history tell everyone, doesn't religious history scream to all of us to find 
a relationship with Jesus rather than a religion that constantly uses his name. One of the benefits, however, to the fact that all major religions have horrible pasts is that it enables us to then see how much integrity they possess in their present state. I have no problem if a religious institution that has an ugly past, if it's willing, if it is willing, here in the present to stand up to the past, admit it, and renounce their evil actions of yesteryear. When an institution insists on either covering or sustaining their evil past, it only serves to illustrate how much more sinister they are in the present day. Uh, so we begin our examination of Mormonism and its history relative to today's church. On almost any given day of the week, visitors uh, from all over the world come to a place called Temple Square here in Salt Lake City. There at the Joseph Smith Memorial Building, a multi-million dollar film directed and produced by an Academy Award-winning LDS filmmaker named Keith Merrill is shown every hour and a half. As you walk in the door, kindly men and women in soft tones offer you tissues, preparing you to emotionally identify with what you are about to see and experience. They suggest to you before the film even begins that you are going to experience something, something very special, and then they roll the film. Here, like in everything else LDS, image takes place of truth, and visitors, investigators, and members alike are shown a false representation of LDS history. Why? Because in the name of image and control, Mormonism today cannot present the truth. In order to retain power and control and keep their image up, they cannot share the truth with its own members or with the public at large. Such, such an action would go contrary to their overall purposes of control and retaining power. So what are audiences shown? Wooden and single-dimensional characterizations of the man Joseph Smith aimed at gathering uh, honor and tears and homage in his name. You are presented with revised data, which, if it were left whole, would lead to doubting, to questioning, and to seeing things as they should be seen in the light of truth. For example, in this film, they never tell you why anything happens. For instance, why did Joseph Smith's father-in-law hate him so badly? They don't answer that in the film. But history suggests, tells us quite frankly, that he, Joseph was a glass looker who was taking away his daughter and he didn't like the fact that that's how he made his living. But they don't include that in the little film. Why uh, was Joseph Smith in Harmony, Pennsylvania at the time? He was there because he was using a stone and a hat to find buried treasure. But they don't tell you that in the movie. Somehow he just winds up in Harmony, Pennsylvania as this nice, soft-spoken, handsome guy who smiles and winks at everybody. They don't tell you what he's doing there. Why was Joseph Smith tarred and feathered? In the movie, it makes it look like he was just, just being beaten and martyred for, for being who he was. Well, he was tarred and feathered primarily for hitting on a girl whose last name was Johnson. And he was also possibly tarred and feathered for the accusations that he was messing around on the side. Why did Joseph leave Kirtland, Ohio? The movie doesn't say. He was running from the law and because he was involved in a huge bank fiasco where people had lost all of their money. They don't tell you that in the movie. Why did the Missourians hate Mormons so much? On this case, they don't tell you why, but there are two sides to the story. Nobody deserved the persecution that they uh, uh, endured, but then again, they did cause some of the persecution that they uh, 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 experienced at the time. Why did Joseph Smith go to Carthage jail in the first place? In the movie, Hiram Smith comes up to Joseph and says, the governor wants us to go, wants us to, go to Carthage. And Joseph says, if we go, we'll die. 
It doesn't tell you why he wants him to go to Carthage. He wants him to go to Carthage because Joseph Smith destroyed a printing press. One of the fundamental rights, freedom of speech, Joseph Smith destroyed. Why? Because this press was going to publish all his doings in polygamy with young underage girls secretly hid from his wife. He did not want that out, and so he destroyed the press. This got him sentenced to go to Carthage jail where he was ultimately shot and killed. Why didn't they show Joseph Smith with a uh, kill two men in the shootout at Carthage jail? Why instead did they show him scream at the, at the sight of his brother Hiram going down and then turn in cinematic glory and run for the window as though he was going to sacrifice himself so that Hiram couldn't be shot anymore? When in reality, he had a gun, which is in, in the possession of the LDS Church Historical Society, mounted proudly. He had a gun that he shot three people, killing two of them, after, and then he was shot and went to the window and kind of fell out after giving the Masonic cry for help. Why don't they include any of this? You know why. If you saw the movie and you're dabbing your eyes and you took that in like it was, you were misled by the people you want to trust. Oh, and there's more. Let's see. Uh, everybody in the film who are good they are like always, it's just like a classic Disney movie, you know? Everybody who's good is shining and happy and lovable and great. And the villains, I mean, they're all like uh, like characters for the Pirates of the Caribbean. They're all always drunken, always missing teeth, always have long hair. Ah, Joseph Smith! I mean, it's unbelievable. Polygamy doesn't, isn't even mentioned in the film that it was a huge undercurrent. It was a huge thing with the church at the time. This is what made them truly unique. This is why more men were joining. I mean, this is what the whole deal was about. They don't even touch polygamy. Joseph Smith, at least 33 wives. 33 before he's gunned down in Carthage jail in the shootout. Not martyred, gunned down. Why don't you know this stuff? Now, if you're tuning in for the first time, at this point, if you're stalwart LDS, you're feeling very uncomfortable and you're believing I'm the devil. But these things are not made up by me. I'm sharing them with you because I want you to have the truth so that you can at least break free from the chains that hold you bound in something that is false, okay? They go on. It shows in this movie Joseph Smith translating the Book of Mormon. The plates are there on a table, uncovered, and it's still as though he's just translating these things to the scribe who sits over there nonchalantly writing. First of all, didn't happen. They were always covered or not even present while Joseph had his face in a hat looking at a rock and reciting what the text was for that day. I mean, it's endless. The Joseph Smith movie legacy is a tiny example of how Mormonism manipulates the truth in order to retain control. Their manuals, their lessons, their talks, their training, the image are all scrubbed and all revised, omitting anything the general public might consider questionable or disconcerting. What hasn't been changed while they changed their history completely, what hasn't been changed, and this is kind of the sinister part, are their doctrines. So on the one hand, we're presented with a spick and span version of church history, which leads people to embrace questionable doctrine. When they have the one side, which is so cleaned up, and they watch it, believing, trusting their leaders that this is the reality, they say, this is so wonderful, I accept these strange doctrines. If the LDS church owned up, taught, and represented their history as it happened and as it was, they would not be in a position to retain their doctrines. And if they could not retain their doctrines, they could not retain their control. Get it? The doctrine controls the hearts and minds of their people, while the stories that have been cleaned up reassure the people that the doctrines are correct. It's a one-two punch with its sanitized history thrown the right and combined with its errant doctrines thrown the left that allows Mormon 
hierarchy to retain control over millions and millions of people. A truthful story would make their doctrines no longer acceptable or binding. But a false and sanitized history with doctrinal revision, if they decided to start changing their doctrines willy-nilly, they could have an internal rebellion. So with power and control their main objective, Mormonism is stuck. The Mormon hierarchy is stuck with having to continue to deceive investigators and believers alike about their history while at the same time refusing to admit doctrinal error or heresies that any of them ever existed. And so they're towing the line down into this kind of oblivion. The internet is showing you more and more what the examples of the, of the false histories are, while at the same time Christianity is putting a hard press on them to say these doctrines are not biblical. So what should all of this say to you? It should say a few things. First, it should tell you to examine your histories. See if the brethren you trust with your salvation have told you the truth about the men who formed your religion, about Joseph and about Brigham. This year, we're going to look mostly, for the most part, at Brigham Young. You're going to be just as blown away about Brigham Young as you were about Joseph Smith in 2007. Oh, it doesn't matter to you that Joseph and Brigham were or who or said or did what they did. You're a modern Mormon who just loves the church in its present state. I hear that every now and then. Let me tell you, everything Joseph said and taught remains alive today. That's why you can't walk into a grocery store in Utah without seeing cards or billboards on the side of the highway that say, praise him. That's why at General Conference, they still sing praise to the man. And everything Brigham Young did continues on today, as evidenced by Temple Square, Brigham Young University, and almost every small and large city in Utah having the same layout grid that Brigham Young brought over from Masonry and instituted here in the state that he was founding. Look at your history. We hope to help you with that this year. The second thing you can do is seek a relationship with God outside of the influence of relig organized religion and or people, including me. I'm not asking you to join another church. I'm not asking you to follow my church or send us money or praise another man. I'm suggesting you go to God directly and openly seek for him to reveal to you his truth. Ask him to open your eyes, your ears, your heart. Say, Lord, if you tell me something isn't right, I'm going to listen. I will follow you wherever you want me to go. Take that challenge. Take the Pepsi Mormon challenge. But it's not reading the Book of Mormon to see if a book is true. It's going to God and say, open my eyes to the truth so that I can follow you. Go to him independently of, any, of everyone and everything. Ask him to show you the truth. Open up the Bible and read. Begin in, first, uh, begin in the Gospel of John. Try that as a support to your search for truth. Now is the time to know it. You can't discover or rest, find peace or salvation by embracing a religion, Joseph, Brigham, their religion, a philosophical system, Mormonism, Catholicism, Baptism, a Baptist, Buddhism, uh, Methodists, Christian scientists, Pentecostalists. None of it will ensure you truth. None of it. Only him, only Jesus, his history, his gospel, and you, you can know him apart from all the stuff that you've been fed about this sanitized history and what they want you to buy into. When we come back, we're going to go to the phones, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. We'll talk to you when you get back. All right, we're back. Please, first time callers, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. We prefer if you're LDS. We love to hear your thoughts. Bring us the stuff to the table and say, this is not true, Sean. You've told a lie or this is not true. Love to hear it. Turn your television sets down and have your solid question or comment ready so we can fit in as many callers as possible. While the operators are screening calls, let me read a couple emails that we've received. 
Uh, we have from David, from Jacob, from Melissa, from Bethany, from Thomas, from Christian, who have all asked somewhat of the same question. Sean, what did you do that caused you to leave the church? It's always on the person, isn't it? It's always got to be on the person. And in my case, it might, I might be guilty. Uh, I always say this, and it kind of disturbs people, but I realized that I was a sinner, and nothing I tried within Mormonism would alleviate that. I could do the revolving door bishop scene, and I could do the, all the, the, the other stuff. I could not take the sacrament for, for weeks on end, and, and I could, uh, you know, like go to confession and do 20 Hail Marys like other churches want you to do. I could do all that, but it wasn't going to change my heart. I went to the Lord directly, long story short, and He changed my heart, and He showed me, you have been on the wrong course from the get-go, and opened my eyes, and now I'm a better man than I ever was uh, as a Latter-day Saint, because the burden of legalisms and trying to do it myself is gone, and God stepped in and did it for me. So if you want to point the finger of being someone who's guilty of sin, look at your television and point it at me. I have no problem with admitting that. But I do know a lot of people who leave Mormonism who don't have those issues either. So if it helps you feel better about embracing the, the falsehood of Mormonism, because you can look at me and say, he left because he was a sinner, go ahead. Delude yourself a little bit longer if you want. Bottom line, you're a sinner too. And the sins that I was guilty of, you probably are too. So we're all in the same boat. The question is, what do you use for your life raft? I chose the life raft called Jesus. You might choose something else. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of emails, but I want to get to this call. Cynthia, first time caller. Cynthia, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hi, how you doing? I'm doing good, and I love your book, by the way. I've been reading it, and it's really gave me a lot of information that I've been needing. Thank uh, you. Thank you reason, so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Well, the reason why I called is that uh, my son was hit and killed by a car when he was four and a half years old back in 1990. Uh-huh. And I'm sorry. Yeah, and I, my husband and I ended up getting divorced several, well, years later, and I was told by members of the church that unless I kept my temple recommend go up and and went to church on Sunday like they say we're supposed to and all this stuff, all the word of wisdom, that I would not be able to finish raising him in the hereafter, that somebody else would have that pleasure of doing that. Uh, one word for you. Bastards. I don't know if I can say that, but I mean, that's ridiculous. And I can't yeah. believe that they actually said to you that if you didn't stay active in the Mormon church, you wouldn't get a chance to raise your son. That's what they said. That if I did not keep my temple recommend uh, current and everything, that when I leave this world, that I would not be able to finish raising him, that somebody else would. So how did that uh, affect you? I got mad. I got very angry and told them uh, hide and watch. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, you know, putting it nicely. Did that contribute to your divorce? No. Uh, just he was, he got really verbally abusive. He had always been verbally abusive towards me. And there was some uh, physical abuse. <laughs> years earlier before him getting active into the church again uh -huh. but then it all went to verbal abuse and then he turned the verbal abuse onto our daughter after us our son uh was killed uh -huh. and when that happened i said that's it that's enough no more and i cynthia what divorce. cynthia what are you doing in your uh in your walk with the lord these days well i've been uh tending the what's the Calvary Chapel? Oh, good. When I can, I don't have a car, so I take the bus. Uh huh. But when the weather permits me, I go. Uh, sometimes my neighbors will take me. I have some great next door neighbors that um, will take me on uh -huh. occasion, and I watch your show on Sundays whenever I can, and I also watch. Uh, 
the Calvary Chapel broadcast on Sundays Excellent. when I can. Let me give you a, a, a word of hope as, you, as we end the call, Cynthia. Okay. And that is your, your child, was it your son? Yes. Who was killed. He is in the arms of the Lord from that second. Uh, without question, I don't say that as, as some kind of uh, seer or something. It's just by the grace of God, uh, certainly uh, that is where he is. And guess what? As a believer in Christ, you're going to be there with him. So uh, I believe that, too, because they also told me that if I didn't do baptisms for the dead for my ancestors, I wouldn't be able to see them either. They just like that control, baby. I'm telling oh, you. I know. You, you keep going, Cynthia. Thank you for the call. All right. Thank you, Sean. Okay, bye. We're going to Braun uh, on line three. First time caller, Braun, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, hey, Sean. This is, this, this is my first time calling, and... I just want to talk to you about an abandoned ship while Aban Mormon. Abandoned ship? Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like Mormon more thoroughly. I find it kind of hard to believe the actual Bible, so I'm just wondering if there's anything that I can do. You know what, Bron, I'm having trouble uh, hearing you. Uh, say that again. Uh, after studying the Bible, like the Book of Mormon more and more, yeah. I find it hard to believe the actual, like the Holy Bible. I'm just wondering if there's anything that I could do to passion for Christ. To do what for Christ? Rekindle my passion. Oh. Uh, well, you're, so are you all by yourself reading the Bible? You're not hearing anyone teach it? Uh, I haven't been to church in a long time, so I haven't actually had any uh, contact with anyone who knows more about it. But. Okay. Well, that's one thing. No, oh, excellent, Bron. Did he just burp? Yeah. Excellent, excellent. Bron, I think it's going to be a long time before you rekindle anything. All right. Uh, let's go to Lisa. I apologize for Bron's gastric disturbances. Lisa, first time caller, Salt Lake. What's happening, Lisa? You're on Heart of the Matter. Um, yeah, I'm calling. I'm an ex-Mormon and a first-time caller. Oh. And do appreciate all you do. Thanks. But my question is, um, do you believe that the prophets in upper church hierarchy are aware they are perpetuating a lie? Well, you know, I, I have kind of two opinions, and, and I say that because I don't know which one's right. On the one hand, I think some of them, if they're not the prophet or whoever, maybe the prophet, apostles, general authorities, I think some of them have cut their teeth mindlessly on the whole game for so long that they actually believe their own press, and they, and they are doing this out of believing it is true. I do think some of them are in that boat. I do know that there are some who know the facts and they are of the opinion, I get this from a very good source who interacts with them, they are of the opinion that there's nothing better. That the LDS Church presents the best alternative with all of its warts, and it, they continue to just toe the line and push the stuff out there because they believe that people going to some other thing, that they're going to get an inferior brand of religion. And then I probably would suggest maybe a third alternative, and that some of them are dirty, lying, deceiving people and they just want to keep you going so there's my gamut what do you think i don't know it's just hard when you know you show the facts and the history they must be aware of it and i'm just it's just so surprising that if they know all of it they just continue to you know not tell it and look the other way you know, I know. Like, keep your eye on christ but not really keep your eye on this ball yeah i, I don't know it just seems deceiving i know it is it's so strange lisa one thing that uh that I know is that intelligence doesn't necessarily transfer through to uh, sound faith. For instance, the, the major cult in Japan, 90% or more of the members are PhDs, but they believe some of the most insane stuff, including ki killing people on subways with sarin and stuff. So uh, intelligence isn't necessarily the indicator that you are truly going to be able to walk right with the Lord. As evidence of me doing the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you, and it's, um, it's nice to listen to you every week and to um, learn more about Christ. Thanks so much, Lisa. God bless you. Thanks. Bye. 
We're going to Matthew, Salt Lake City. Matthew, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, how's it going? Going well. Quick, quick question for your faithful LDS viewers, and I want them to to, to ask themselves this question. I hope they could, and, and 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 truly ask themselves in their heart of hearts, do they really believe that God would rely on? secret words and secret symbols and rituals that you can only learn after you've paid your money to get in. Does that really sound the, the way that, that a loving God would set something up, that, that you have to know secret words and, 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 and secret phrases? Or does that sound maybe a little more like, like a witchcraft or voodoo? Uh, really, Mormons, please, you're, you're, you're intelligent people. Use your heads. You can't learn a couple magic, ma magic phrases and, and have power over God. That's not how it works. Please, please pray to Jesus, and hopefully they can, uh, they can realize that uh, Jesus loves all of us, not just the ones that... Uh, know some sort of a, a, a magic uh, phrase or two. That, that's all I wanted to say. And Matthew. I he, Matthew, I that's a great call. Thank you for your passion. That's, a, that's really well said. Thank you for the plea. Okay, bye, Sean. Okay, bye. All right, we're going to Jerry in Tooele. First-time caller, Jerry, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, how you doing? Doing well. How are you? All right. Hey, I was watching the uh, history of the church on BYU the other night. Uh-huh. And uh, this lady, evidently, she's a professor down at BYU. And I had to laugh because she contradicted herself probably four times in the hour she was on. Huh. But she was talking about the splinter groups off of the church and where are they now and how all these splinter groups started. And it was funny because they all think that Joseph Smith, that uh, God and Jesus Christ come and told him to start this church. But then when he died, all of a sudden all these, bishops everywhere else decided that the angels come and told them to start their churches. Yeah. And uh, Brigham Young pretty much called BF on them. Yeah. And then when he was debating them, they uh, said that they heard Joseph Smith's voice come through Brigham Young. Yeah. And it's his face that, even looked like him, he said. Yeah, and then uh, Joseph, Joseph had Christ come and talk to him, but now he's just the messenger, I guess, that he's <laughs> that he's been martyred. It's amazing, isn't on, it? Yeah, and then later on, these two guys said the angels come and told them that that uh, they wanted him to take over the church, but nobody believed that the angels come and talk to them. It was okay for the angels to come and talk to Joseph, but all of a sudden the angels don't exist to talk, talk to these other two bishops anymore. Yeah, isn't that funny? So they voted Brigham Young to be their prophet. And then a half hour later, she's talking about Joseph's son taking over. When he comes of age to one of the splinter groups, he takes over. And she says, isn't that ironic that they vote in a prophet? Yeah. When she just got done saying the people voted Brigham Young as their prophet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're on to all kinds of great stuff, great uh, insights there, Jerry. And the thing they say about the splinter groups, one, I think the splinter groups are indicative of the fruit of Mormonism. They are the fruit of Joseph like all the angels visiting these guys after he died. I mean, that's what he told people you can expect. Uh, so yeah. you're right on that. And then they, they believe today, the LDS Salt Lake Church believes that by virtue of their power and their money, that they have shown that they truly are God's church. And, and, and yet Jesus, throughout the Gospels, always says, you know, hey, straight is the gate, narrow is the way, few be there that find it. It's not this broad, megalithic, giant, powerful church. Revelation talks about the seven uh, churches and how in the last days, the final church is going to be weak, but it will have some members there who are strong. And it's never this preponderance of this powerful, uh, powerfulness in the church. So really glad you shared that with us, Jerry. You have a good night. Yeah, you do. I get that warm, fuzzy feeling when I have too many beers that they're always talking about. Yeah. That warm, fuzzy feeling in your bosom. Okay, go get, go get warm and fuzzy. All right, we'll see ya. See you, Jerry. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to Doug and Logan, first-time caller. 
Doug, you're on Heart of the Matter. All right. All right, Doug. Hey, thanks, bro. You're welcome, brother. You're on the air. Is this Scott? This is Sean. Sean. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, you got a little bit of a delay there. Yeah, you got to turn your TV off. Off? Well, just down. Uh, down all the way. Yeah, aloha. Uh, hey, I love you, man. Uh, you're all right. Thank Sean. you. I'm sorry I got your name wrong, but um, hey, I'm just wondering. I have a few questions, a few things that I'd like to go over. All right, Doug. And um, I'm just wondering, you know, I'm LDS. Uh huh. And I'd like to know where do you get this proof that, uh, you know, Joseph Smith uh, had 33 wives and Brigham Young? I don't know what you're going to talk about him or say about him, but I'm kind of anxious to listen to it. This one's got to go. Uh, Joseph Smith's wives, Todd Compton wrote a book. He's LDS, completely, uh -huh. completely and thoroughly researched. It's called In Sacred Loneliness. And he details from court records all the wives that Joseph Smith took. Okay. Uh, we covered Joseph's wives early in, I think, 2007. And you can go through, and we do about four shows where we talk about each one, their ages, what uh, the circumstance was, everything else. So I know back in that day that they were married at a very young age because life expectancy was not very long. Correct? I think they married them at a young age because they were hot then. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, I guess we'll find out the truth when we go to the big hereafter. What do you hey, hey, Doug, what do you think of polygamy? What's that? What do you think of polygamy? Um, I... I feel it probably had a purpose at a time, but just like everything else, there's change. Let me ask you something. I don't think it fits in this world today. I know it's not in this world today, but isn't it still a practice that is condoned by the church? Because if your wife dies, Doug, you could marry another uh, good LDS girl and have her sealed to you for time and all eternity in the temple, couldn't you? Uh, yeah, I could. So it's still a principle that's believed in the hereafter. What do you life would be gone from this earth? What do you think about the principle in the hereafter? Uh, I believe it, and I'll tell you why, Sean. I've seen so many miracles in my life through the priesthood, and when I was very young, um, I had a rough childhood growing up. Uh, didn't have a father that was around a lot, and I slipped into the occult deep for about oh eight or nine years. Yeah. Got into a bunch of hard stuff, drugs, and the whole bit. Yeah. And I know that is true. I have seen evil firsthand, felt it. Okay. And I've also sensed the goodness and kindness, and, and from reading the Bible, too. I use the Bible all the time, not just the Book of Mormon. Well, that's good. But I know that it's true. It's just something that I feel inside. I can't explain it. I can't put it into words. It's a, it's just a feeling that you feel. Okay, Doug. Uh, I, I, let me cut, cut. Is there any more questions? Um, gosh, I can't think of it right now, bro. But well, if uh, you come up with one, call us back. Um, how are your views on as far as the you know taking of another wife? But I don't think the first, if you take a second wife that. Uh, she won't have as much glory or, or as, next, as much significant as the first. Yeah. You know what, Doug? I have uh, to look into that a little bit harder, but I do believe in studying the four Gospels. If you want to be a good person, study those. And yeah. just read the Word. And, and, you know, if it speaks to you, then it speaks to you. If it doesn't, it doesn't. All right, my brother. Thanks for the, the call. The Spirit doesn't lie. Okay, God bless you. You too. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to Gary from Logan as well. Gary, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, how are you? Doing well, Gary, how are you? Good. Hey, I want to say thanks uh, that I've been able to find your program and how much I appreciate everything you say. It thanks. just really helps. Thanks, Gary. A um, couple things for you. I'm thinking about jumping ship and... My concern is, will my mother find out that I do? Uh, she lives in Salt Lake. Yeah. And um, 
you know, it's kind of up in the air. It depends on how close-knit she is within the, the community and, and what she hears, you know. Uh, I couldn't tell you. I don't really know. I know in some communities she would know. Other communities, possibly, she would never know. It's really uh, kind of a, I hate to use a crass term, a crapshoot. Uh-huh. Yeah. But uh, uh, the thing is, um, I don't think it's going, I, it might do some good. Gary, you might find that if you take that step, it might not only do good in your life, but it might do good within your family and open up discussion and things. And your mom might not be uh, adversely affected by such a move. Hmm. Just a uh, thought. That is a possibility. Yeah. Okay. And then my next question is the other uh, few weeks ago, you were talking about the different Bibles. Uh huh. And I want to know which is the best Bible to buy again it's a it's a matter of taste i i believe that the word of god is sufficient in almost every reputable translation to bring you to a saving knowledge and to help you sanctify your life uh, i like the king james because that's what i'm used to the in king james is good the new king james because it cuts out some of the difficult language the niv the nearly inspired version is good because it, uh, it helps with language. It's very easy to read. Uh, all those, the New American Standard, uh, the Schofield Bible have a lot of helps in it. You go into a, a good Christian store, Oasis Books up there in Logan, and talk to the proprietors there and just ask them to go through and find one that's going to be easier to read for you and pick it up and go with it. Okay. And sorry about the background music of the dogs. That's all right. They sing beautifully. Yeah. And... Uh... God bless you, and I love you, man. Thanks, Thanks so Gary. Much. Love you, too. We'll see ya. God bless. Bye-bye. Okay, we're going to Sean, spelled the same way as Mr. McCraney spells his name. We'll see if this is... Sean, are you male or female? Sure, I'm a male. <laughs> Here we go. What's happening? Uh, not much. How's it going, Sean? It's going well. What's, what's the question, my friend? So, uh, I know you know a good deal of Mormonism. So I thought you'd be the person to ask. Uh, I heard from a favorite Mormon friend that Joseph Smith is the resurrection of Jesus. Does that hold any uh, legitimacy? That Joseph Smith what? Is, is resurrected? No. I don't think... No. I've never heard that in Mormonism. Yeah, yeah, dog, yeah. Uh, I had another question, though. Okay. Um, have you ever seen the show Wretched? comes on after you. I've never seen it uh, after the show. I've heard about it. In fact, I know the, the guy who does it's wife. Oh, really? Are they cool people? Well, she's very nice. Oh, you know what they say, pick up sticks. Do you like the host? What? Do you like that show? Wretched? Yeah. He has some pretty good insight. He's, cool. he's a little vile sometimes. Vile? Yeah. Wow. I'll have to watch it. Yeah, yeah. It's you take Cincerritos just off test. Oh. Well, well Sean, right, Sean. Uh, it's good talking to you. Uh, good luck with the show, man. Thanks, Sean. I'll talk to you again. Yeah, God bless, Sean. God bless you. Bye-bye. All right, we're going to Craig in Salt Lake City. First-time caller. Craig, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. Hi, Craig. We're having trouble hearing you. Hello? There you go. Can you, me, can you hear me now, Sean? I can. Okay, I got a question for you. All right. Um, your book is titled "Born Again Mormon." Or I was, I was a born, born again Mormon. Yeah. I don't understand that title, cause, uh, cause how could you be born again Mormon if you're not of the faith anymore? Oh, that's where the was comes in. Uh, oh. When I was LDS. I was born again as a Latter-day Saint. I was born again at the side of the road. I have mm -hmm. since left the Mormon church. Therefore, I was a born-again Mormon. Wait, so you're born again as a Mormon? I was born again as a Mormon, stayed in the church four years, and then I left Mormonism. So the first book title of that book was Born Again Mormon, and it referred to the experience of being born again as a Latter-day Saint. When what, I left what? the... Then when I left the church, we re, uh, then we retitled the second book for clarity's sake to be I was a born-again Mormon. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, what religion were you before you joined the Mormon faith, if you mind me asking? I was born in uh, the LDS faith. Oh. So, you're born again Christian? Would you describe yourself as a born again Christian? Yeah, definitely. But, so, but you're no longer affiliated with the LDS church, right? No, I left the LDS church. What type of church do you like to go to? I like to go to church that meets once every six months, if possible, but uh, I go to one that meets every Sunday, and uh, we, we actually teach at it. It's just a little small Bible study that we pray and worship the Lord at times, and we read the Bible, and that's our version of, of Sunday church. But I, I love, I love uh, everybody's version, and, and anybody who's been able to get together with like-minded believers and worship you know, at all these different churches, Sandy Ridge and... Calvary Chapel, and all these churches, they're great. What about the Unitarians? Are they Christians? No, they are, uh, they are, everybody is wonderful, there's nothing wrong, there's nothing right, and uh, worship man. So I could believe in, like, a pagan god and be Unitarian, and they wouldn't mind? They wouldn't mind at all, brother. Well, that is crazy. Well, Sean, yeah, I just picked up a copy of your book. Uh, I'm not LDS. But, uh, I don't know. Well, let uh, me know I, what you think, my friend. Yeah, I gotta say, I really like, I really like it so far. And, uh, you got any, uh, you got any suggestions to, uh, a young Christian who feels like he's not economically viable anymore? I just lost my job, Sean. Uh, econ you sound like a young man. I don't see any reason why you couldn't become economically viable within a matter of days. Really? Well, it's hard to get. A, it's hard for me to get a job. I just feel like no one cares, and it's starting to get me to not care about my life anymore. Well, email. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I can find Jesus in this time. Well, email me, and let's see if we can get together and talk, and maybe we can hook you up with some viable uh, employment. All right. Would you like to uh, meet up sometime, maybe? Yeah. Email me, and we'll do it. Email you just at the show. Same email as the show. It's at the back of the book. Oh, it's on the back of the book. Yeah. Well, all right, yeah, I'll, 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 I'll see you, I'll see you, I'll try to give you, shoot, shoot you an email later. All right, Craig, thanks a lot. All right. God bless you. Bye-bye, we're going to go to Ray in Happy Valley, first-time caller. Ray, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, my goodness, how you doing tonight? I'm doing well, but I have a bad news for you, you only have a minute. You got a minute, that's all I need. All right. Uh, you know, years ago, they, they sent me the little letter that says, you know, come and see us or else. Yeah, and uh, I I took the easier, softer way, and I didn't uh, buy into it. Uh, and for quite a few years, I roamed around in outer darkness, so to speak. Yeah. Um, until uh, I had a good friend take me to a Christian congregation, and now I see you on here trying to help everybody stay away from that period of you know feeling lost. Yeah. You know, and I think it's very important that if you're a jumping ship. Don't jump in the water, man. Jump into the lifeboat that, you know, that you guys are offering. Awesome. You know? Yeah. So that's my two cents, man, and I, I admire what you're doing. Hey, Ray, uh, Ray those two cents are, are worth millions because really that's the point is the reason you leave Mormonism is almost as important as leaving Mormonism. If you leave because you're bitter with what they've taught and you hate God, you know, but if you leave and jump ship for Jesus, it's a totally different vibe and experience. And so you're right. That's what we hope people will do. Yeah, I have to embrace Christ with all my heart because without, uh, without him, I would, I would be still a lost soul, my friend. That's awesome, Ray. Thank you so much. God bless you. God bless you, too. Okay, bye-bye. Hey, next week we're going to discuss Emma Smith, what happened to her now that Joseph is dead, what happened to her children, and her view of the LDS church Emma Smith beginning next week, and we're going to press on through uh, Mormon history from that point on. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter.
break my rusty cage and run. 